Welcome back to Adapt and Thrive, a survival guide for the modern marketer. This is part two of our episode, Five Signs That Your Brand Needs a Repositioning. If you found yourself here for the first time, head on over to part one of this topic so that you can hear that part of the conversation and then come back over here to hear the rest of it with Tom and I. You're listening to Adapt and Thrive, a survival guide for the modern marketer with hosts Tom and Kate. Your survival guide begins now. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not easy. Not when you've got 60 competitors. And earlier you said six um, in any one space. Well, that's if you even go near. I think I said a dozen. I don't think I said six. Six or, well, even. Roll the tape. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But if 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 you narrow your scope and you focus on a very specific niche, you're still going to have half a dozen, 12, whatever that number is, competitors. Yeah. So you yeah. better out-strategize you know, out and out-market and out-brand those other 11 competitors. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Totally right. agree, especially with Amazon these days. Like you go on Amazon and you search for like a lamp, you're going to have 50 lamps presented to you. Yeah. And like they don't care. They'll show you. 50. They're not loyal to one brand. I mean, they might be a little bit if they pay them, but not enough to get all them out of the, the, the offerings on the page. They'll just put like a little featured badge on your product, but they're still showing you with all your competitors. So I thought we would get through, uh, um, one of our, just at least one of our podcasts without mentioning the evil empire, but no, I mean, you yeah. Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you ordered from Amazon? Uh, yesterday. What'd you order? I ordered a cover for my outdoor furniture. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Cost 69 bucks, 73 with tax. It's going to be here uh, tomorrow, uh, either tomorrow or Thursday. I think it's Thursday actually. Okay. So the last thing I ordered was, oh, yesterday I ordered prenatals because I ran on my prenatal vitamins. But the day before that, I ordered a coffee table book the day before that. We ordered blinds. This is just, this is not productive. Kate. My favorite thing to tell people, <laughs> my favorite thing to ask people is the last thing they ordered on Amazon. It's like a really good icebreaker because everyone has an answer. No one's going to be like, I haven't ordered in a while. So you're saying the rules of cocktail parties have changed. We go into the cocktail party yes. and that's the first question. So, hey, yeah. tell me, what's the last thing you ordered on Amazon? Yeah. You know why? Because that will tell me what your brand is like. Like, okay, uh, Tom's got tells, outdoor furniture. Tells you a lot. <laughs> what if the person came back and said, I don't, order anything on Amazon and I hate Amazon. What does that say about your personal brand? Uh, that you probably vote independently. <laughs> <laughs> um, you probably have a flip phone. <laughs> could you be an Etsy person or a Walmart person? Maybe you could be an Etsy person, not Walmart. I think no. you could be Etsy cause it's like small business. So maybe if you're not interested in like supporting, you know, I, don't know. I just ordered from Walmart, by the way, because I wanted to, it's my first order ever. Yeah. I wanted to see oh. what's going on there. Well, because they're, we talk about this a lot recently, is yeah. how Walmart wants to be Amazon. Yeah. They just rolled out a creator program, which um, Amazon, like over 50% of their sales are from ambassadors. Did you know that? I didn't over know that. Over 50% no. of the sales that Amazon makes is from influencers because they have a really great ambassador program. So Walmart just rolled out the exact same thing called Walmart for creators. Very cool. Yeah. And we know that they're doing their TV shows too with Paramount. Yeah. Yeah. So I would recommend any, uh, brand, any company out there that really wants to improve sales, improve marketing, 
um, improve their market share, either create market share or steal market share, probably should go through some sort of process to uh, for repositioning mm-hmm. of their brand. Yeah. And um, not I don't want this to tur- turn into a, a pitch or anything, but we you know we have our proprietary process called the L7 Brand Blueprint, which is part of the L7 Marketing Machine. But you know I I think I, I I'm a huge fan of it because you know we perfected it over 15 years, um, but it is a very very detailed process and it gets you through to the other side where you have, um, you know what your brand is, you know what your positioning is, you know how to structure your marketing. And 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 not that you should use ours, I would be honored if you did, but there are others out there or there's, there's an internal process maybe you could go through. Um, but I, I recommend every brand do that and, and they should do it fairly regularly. I mean, you just don't do it once and then leave because the marketplace changes, attitudes change, mm-hmm. um, consumers change, yep. competitors change, the, the your product will change, right? Yep. That's a very lovely segue into what we want to talk about, which is five signs that your brand needs a repositioning. So for the L7 creative marketing machine, that works if you're a startup, if you're a brand new brand, that works if you have been in business for 15 years. Yep. It will provide you what you're what you really need, which is visual brand identity, brand positioning, um, competitor advantage, audience personas, and all of those things can change. So, should we dive in to the five signs? Five signs, okay, yeah. Five signs your brand needs a repositioning. This is what we debated about earlier because I said I wanted to call it five signs your brand needs a rebrand, but it's really not entire rebrand. And I argued with you and and said, no, don't do that. You're going to, you're going to freak everyone out. And now we're calling it reposition. Cause that's really what it, what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and when you say visual identity, I, I would, I'm, I'm very um, cautious on touching somebody's visual, you know, a, a brand's visual identity, a, a client's visual identity, but sometimes they, it, it, it does, uh, it does, it is helpful if they update it, you know, right. um, a lot of people don't know this, but, um, one of the top brands in the world has been re, um, restructured, rebuilt, redone, re, uh, you know, re, I guess redesigned, uh, and it is not a complete redesign 12 times. Okay. And it's Coke, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola in 150 years or plus it's bit, but you, when you look at Coke and you look Coke from the 1940s, it looks you can tell that's Coke. It's mm-hmm. not a, so they've kept that, you know, that, that same essence to the, to the brand. So a lot of times a, a redesign or an update to your brand doesn't mean that it changes that much. It just means it kind of, the color gets updated. Maybe the, the font gets, um, gets tweaked a little bit, you know, there's things like that, but, um, you know, and a tagline could be introduced or a new tagline and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I would steer clear clear if if the brand is is less than like ten years old with a a brand redesign and really work on positioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Okay. Alrighty. So, number one, and if you're listening, first and foremost, and any of these apply to you, consider a repositioning. Um, the first one is that your industry has become saturated. 
which I feel like is one of the most common ones because the more and more products that pop up in your niche, the louder you have to be to stand out from them. The good thing about this problem is that there means it means there's demand. So people need the product. They want the product. So there is demand. If there wasn't, it wouldn't be saturated. And we were just talking about Amazon and Walmart and how they show you all of these different options because yeah. their their job is to be have a good user experience for the customer, which users want options, but that's not the best for the brand. So you need to reposition if your industry has become saturated. So if you started and you were one of the first 10, that's amazing. Congrats. If you're now one of 50, you have to reposition yourself because if not, there's going to be a new brand that comes in with stronger repositioning from the start. That's going to steal your customers. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, the fact that the, that your, your category is, has been saturated is, is, is in fact a good sign. You know, you don't want to be yeah. the lone, um, the lone wolf because that really indicates there's probably not a lot of calling for what your, you know, your good, good or sir, you know, product or services. I love it when a client comes to us and, and there's a lot of competition in their market, in their category because now all we need to do is just do it better than the other the other competitors right reposition it really go after this uh you know um narrow the scope go after a certain target segment and really um get uh, achieve more brand loyalty mm -hmm. and especially if they've they've, they've already achieved that you know you just kind of want to build on that so mm -hmm. I, I love it i love it when um uh you know brands are you know, in, in a category that's, that's pretty well saturated because most brands don't do it very well. If they're easy to, they're easy to outflank. Yeah. They're easy to crush. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The second is that you don't even have a brand positioning to begin with. And I feel like you've definitely seen this before. Yeah. And we've talked about this where it is just, it's just a, a, a product or a service. And we're like, that's amazing. But what is your brand positioning? Yeah, and brands that struggle, really, this is the number number one symptom, number one uh, ailment, mm -hmm. is they don't have a positioning. Mm -hmm. They really don't stand for anything. Yeah, they don't have a you know a niche. They they really they're not associated with anything really really strong. Right. And I know a lot of marketers find this. Uh, a lot of CEOs too. A lot of boards find this. Uh, what do we you know? What do we, what, what are our values? Yeah. And why do we need to spend money on this? Let's just sell a good product and right. the rest will take care of itself. Right. Well, I'm here to I, tell you it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's, there's like, they think like, there's no way that people won't want this product or service. Like it's amazing. It does X, Y, Z and it's, you know, $5 <laughs> cheaper than the competitor. And we're like, people, people these days, like they'll spend the extra money if they, like the brand, if they like the positioning, right, you know, right. yeah. I think we talked about this in, in our previous podcast, especially with millennials and Gen Z about how they value transparency with brands. They like brands that are, you know, sustainable or conscious or give back in some way. Like they're looking for that. And they like, I forget the, st the statistic, but it was like a very high percent that were more, that were willing to spend more money for a brand that they felt that offered that versus, you know, a competitor that has the exact same product. Yeah, like Elvest. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Red Wing, Red Wing Boots, which Seth really likes. Seth does like. Well, we're really calling out <laughs> Seth. <laughs> He's like, I'm not trying to be involved. Okay. Um, 
Okay. Number three, you're not attracting the right customers. So this is an interesting one. I'm very, I'm intrigued to see your opinion on Tom. So an example with this, we're going to get in an argument over this one. An example of this is like, let's say that you're a company and your marketing is targeted at men in their sixties. Like you knew that when you created whatever, maybe you have a product, maybe you, you, let's say you sell like really comfortable um, or let's let's use Untuck It for example. Untuck It is like a, a shirt brand that's I lo- meant to be. I untucked. love that example. Okay. Not not I don't own one Untuck It shirt, but I've been watching this brand for a decade now. Yeah. So I actually don't know what their target demo is, and I don't know who buys them, but we'll use them as our our scapegoat. So let's say you're Untuck It, and you're like, I'm gonna make the best shirts that are meant to be worn untucked, which is a silly thing to think about, but it's like their whole brand now, mm-hmm. and I want to target men in their sixties. And that's where you put all your ad ad dollars and that's where you put all your marketing and your messaging. But after two years in business, you realize that most of your customers are actually men in their twenties. So you're attracting a much younger audience than you originally wanted, but all of your marketing and your original marketing blueprint was towards older men. Then you need to do some sort of repositioning to strengthen your marketing going towards your ideal customer. So my question for you is, do you have your brand positioning go to the customer you want or to the customer that you're, that you have that are going to drive that revenue forward? Well, I would kind of flip this. Uh, it it seems like you missed your target demo, you know, right. You positioned for sixties and you got twenties, but you got lucky because you missed your target demo, but you're still making sales. I, I would look at where, you know, what took place to make that happen? Is this a true story for Untuck It? It's was, not. Was, okay. I'm using them as an example okay. of just as like the brand. Yeah, because I'm in, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I read a, I read a, um, I read a case study online that I'm almost positive was about Slack, you know, Slack, like the chatting mm-hmm. SaaS company. Right. And I, I think it was Slack. So don't quote me on this, but they wanted to target massive, large enterprise companies. They wanted to be in enterprise companies yeah. with massive sales teams and massive right. marketing teams. But the most common customer that uses Slack are actually like SM, SMB, like small business, small, medium sure. business size, right. um, people that, you know, are more likely to just want to chat someone, whatever. So they reposition themselves to be more targets for that, even though they originally wanted to go after enterprise. I think they get both now, but that was like, it was like a SaaS company that had repositioned because of, and then, and then you change your product, right? Like you have different product offerings based on. Well, so here's the thing. Here's what I would say. If, if you've actually appealed to a target demo that you really didn't expect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're not saying that in the one case, maybe 60 year old men do, do buy untucked shirts Mm -hmm. and 20 year olds. Mm -hmm. Um, I think eventually you're going to run into some, you're going to, you're going to need to make some big decisions down the road because if you're going to hit your sales numbers, you can bet that there are competitors waiting in the wings that are watching what you're doing. And, um, and maybe, maybe in the case of the sixties hitting the twenties, if it was a fashion brand, maybe it was just dumb luck, you know, that Mm -hmm. these 20 year olds love this look and feel, Mm -hmm. you know, like Seth's shirt over here, you know, he's got this kind of uh, brawny man kind of look going on there. You, you do know? look like the brawny man. Yeah, the brawny man. It's so, a good thing. 
He's it's got a lumberjack. Two day old yeah, gruff that's part of his brand. There. So you know, maybe maybe you just have to look and see what you're doing and segment your target and go to it. But I, I guarantee it's going to bring up some interesting uh, decisions in the future by you and your company because it, it's not going to last forever. You know, you're going to have to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, to to hit your target demo. And to me, that just sounds like maybe there's not a lot of competitors in your marketplace. Mm, and that's what that tells me. Got it. Yeah. So then in that case, you'd want to reposition, which would obviously come with yeah. a redistribution of your marketing <clears throat> dollars of where you're putting your marketing. Well, in, in Slack is a good example. I think they were first in the marketplace to doing what they're, they mm, were doing yeah. you know, or something similar. Yeah. And we used to have Slack and, and I love that plaf- platform. Mm-hmm. So I think they're getting hit with competitors. Yeah. yeah. So Especially with the pandemic too. I feel like there were so many of that, like communication SaaS companies popped up during the pandemic because people needed to chat more. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, number four. This is one of my favorite ones. Your vision or your roadmap has changed. So your target demo hasn't changed, but your product has changed or you want your product to change. So similar though to the fact that once you start a company, your, your customer can change. Once you start a company, a service or a product that can also be adjusted. So this example here is with Domino's first off, huge Domino's fan. Um, I got a phone call like a month ago from my local Domino's branch because they said I was one of their most loyal customers and they were looking for a feedback. So I literally had a survey call with them. Interesting. Cause I'm a big fan. Yeah. But you know, 10 years ago, I put Domino's in the same bucket as like Papa John's and Pizza Hut, where I would think it's fast, it's cheap, it's low quality, kind of tastes like cardboard, not the best. It's like what they would bring in at like, in like elementary school for like a pizza party if you like got a good grade on something, like just easy. But that's not really what people always wanted. And they were starting to get a lot of like negative feedback. Like people were like, Domino's is gross, blah, blah, blah. Like Domino's is blah, blah, blah. So they did a brand overhaul in 2012 that was largely around changing what type of company they wanted to be. And you would think that a pizza company would be a pizza company. How can it be anything else? Well, what you're describing is classic repositioning. Yeah. Reposition from a just a pizza delivery kind of company because because they did have prior to 2012, it was all about the delivery and um, they, they were the ones I believe who had that um, uh, time time stamp on the delivery. And mm-hmm. if they didn't get it there in that time, mm-hmm. then your pizza was free. Remember that? Yeah. Well, there was a tragedy that happened because some, oh some driver gosh. was going to deliver the pizza. Oh my gosh! And 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 hit somebody because they were, and they they went we're well. See, rush. like like you're in a rush, yeah. so that so you didn't do it for free, you know. So you didn't deliver it for free. Yeah. And that whole thing fell in, you know, like a house of cards. I believe it was. It may not be Domino's that did that, but I I, I think it was one of those. But it was all about speed delivery. Right. Now it's something different, right? It's all about quality. It's about quality. It's about, it's a little bit about speed, but they're not racing against themselves. It's more about transparency. So they developed an app. Now they're a tech company. I would literally call Domino's a tech company. Like it's a pizza company, but they repositioned. And now in my eyes, they're a tech company. They have one of the best app experiences I've ever had. They've got this, they've got this (laughs) oven tracker where they literally say, it's like this blue thing where it lights up each step. They're like, your pizza's in the oven and they give you names. They'll be like 
John has just made your pizza. John is pulling your pizza out of the oven. And then Sally's on her way with your pizza. Sally's five minutes away. Like they update you throughout the whole process. Like I have no questions about like, is my pizza made? Is my pizza being, is it in the oven? Is it getting delivered? Like their app is so well done and you can send words of encouragement. So if it's like, John just made your pizza, send him a word of encouragement. You can literally be like, thanks for the pizza, John. Like they give you preset comments. Um, can you ask trying, him to put extra pepperoni? You know, hey, just, uh, you I'm know, sure nobody's going to tell if you throw yeah, a John, few extra, extra. Yeah, Yeah, come on. Yeah. Do me a solid, John. But what <laughs> I, it's like, it's crazy though. Like, like, did you think when Domino's started their company, they were like, we're going to be the best, one of the best apps on the market? No. No. They no. thought we're going to make great pizza. Right. But that didn't work because the pizza wasn't that great. And they were dealing with Papa John's and Pizza Hut. And now they're one of the best. And I guarantee you that. Papa John's probably kicks themselves in the foot that Domino's did this and they can't keep up. Like they cannot keep, like when's the last time you ordered Papa John's? Well, I don't, yeah, I haven't ordered pizza by app or phone for quite a long time, but <clears throat> I guess the, the key question for me would be, do the, did their pizza improve? Their pizza improved. <laughs> yes. Their pizza is a lot better. Okay. So that was also a big part of it. Okay. So they, they know that the quality wasn't there. So they decided, Got it. okay, we're going to make our pizza better. And on top of that, we're going to have this new amazing app that gives all this visibility and transparency and this great service and all that stuff. So yes, they did. And, but they didn't, they, but they kept their prices low, which is crazy. Cause you would think something would have to give whenever we talk yeah. about, um, what is it? Costs. Uh, better, faster, cheaper. No, it's quality the, service yes, price. Yes, same, quality same service price. So what is what is it with with Domino's? So you, with quality, that means you know the pizza gets there hot. Yeah, it's better tasting. And our qual it's, it's quality service price, which for our listeners, we believe you can never be all three as right. a brand. So right. you have to choose. You can be two out of three, but you can't be all three. Better to be one. But yeah. in the case of Domino's, what, what would you, it's not, it's definitely not price. I can have a feeling already, right? So is it, ser but service it would cheap. be- a It is pretty cheap though. Oh, it is? Kind of. Hmm. I mean, I, I guess it's not, it's not as cheap as it used to be. You know, like one pizza for delivery with delivery fee and all that's probably like 30 bucks. So I guess yeah. that's expensive. Well, all that, all that stuff in the app would be, be categorized as service the app yes. itself and john's making the uh, delivering it and sarah's I would say making service. it i would say service so service is all about service for them i think so i yeah. think the app is what made it service i think if they didn't do the app and they just changed their recipe maybe maybe i don't know if quality because like i don't it's, know i it's mean service it's good pizza right doesn't now. blow my mind yeah i think it's service yeah interesting all right, right. well good for them so if you if your vision or your roadmap has changed for your product or your um, QSP, then reposition. You have to do it. Yeah, and and sometimes, you know, brands under a certain brand umbrella, you know, they'll, they'll come out with more services, more more products, um, and sometimes those can change the dynamics. I would recommend that each one of those services or products get branded differently, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I'm trying to think of a good good example. Well, I mean, the car industry does it really well. I mean, you know, you know, an entry level Lexus is much different than the most expensive Lexus you can buy, right? Mm -hmm. It's a different brand, 
right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, when you start thinking about changing your product or updating it, you know, um, I, I think no, nobody's done it better than iPhone. You know, you're at, uh, up to the iPhone. What are you now? The 14 mm -hmm. or something? Mm -hmm. Well, I was, I got the first iPhone 2008 and it's crazy. It's only been around 14 years, but you know, they're not coming out with, there's not, you know, there, there might be different models of the same iPhone, but they're virtually the same. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not coming out with a whole bunch of different, you know, um, products there, you know, it's still an iPhone mm -hmm. and they still call it an iPhone. It's just the models change. So I think, you know, I think your positioning, um, should f be consistent for your, your, uh, group of product offerings. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Cool. Okay. Last one. This one seems like an obvious one about when you need to reposition. Your sales are decreasing or low. Your yeah, why sales, don't you go your sales suck. It? Your yeah. sales suck. <laughs> your sales are decreasing or low. And I feel like this kind of is like a good summary of everything we talked about because your sales could be de decreasing or low for so many reasons. You're targeting the wrong demo. You are in a saturated market. You've got competitors popping up. You've got competitors that have stronger positioning than you do, like Elvis. So if your sales are decreasing or low, I feel like so many people these days are quick to just throw out more ad dollars. Like, well, let's put more money into it, more money into it, more money into it. But it's like, yes, that might be like a short term band aid, but it's not going to solve a longer term problem, which is that is one of the other problems that we mentioned about positioning. Yeah, absolutely. It might be a, a function of your positioning um, in the marketplace. A lot of your um, elements of your brand could be ugly. Could could you, it you, could be ugly. You could have an ugly label. That's true. Maybe. Yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, right? there's all sorts of things. Yeah. Well, in in sometimes it is good to do a complete brand overhaul, right? If if yeah. the marketplace has gotten away from you, mm -hmm. and maybe you have good distribution, you have good, uh, you know, good inroads into the market. You have great a great product. You have great supply chain. All those things, and maybe you just were kind of surviving on being first in and you just didn't really put the time and effort and, 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 uh, um, expertise behind your brand. Yeah. And now the market's got gotten away from you. We, we see that from time to time. Then it's really good to go in and really re relook it at the market and the brand and your positioning. And really, um, it's one of the hardest things for companies to do though, but if they can do it successfully, they can, it can pay huge dividends. For yeah. Them. I think it's hard because like the last thing you want to do when your sales are low is spend the money and the time that it takes to do a successful brand overhaul. Yeah. But that's what you have to do. Like, or else you're constantly going to be treading water and trying to keep up and it's eventually not going to work. I mean, it's just like you said, like Coca-Cola has, has done it 12 times. Like is your brand bigger than Coca-Cola? Like if right. they're doing it, right. like ask you, look in the mirror and ask yourself, is my brand bigger than Coca-Cola? Why am I better than this? Why shouldn't I do this? Yeah. And when well, you decide that you're ready to do it, call us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was a great segue there. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I will say just to kind of put a bow on that thought is, is a lot of companies get in, you know, and they, and they really create market share or they, they, you know, 
maybe there's a strategy, maybe it's a quality thing, maybe they're better quality, maybe they're lower price, maybe mm -hmm. their service is better, maybe it's a function of that. Mm -hmm. But um, before they know it, you know, it was built on something that really wasn't uh, foundational or structural in their brand. And they look back and they go, you know, our sales went from really high to really low. And, they, and then they have to figure out, like, what's going on here. And I mean, almost invariably, that has to do with positioning, mm -hmm. you know, your brand in the marketplace. And, and, um, sometimes you just have to be honest, right? You know, that maybe the competition is just doing a better job than you. Yeah. And, and so you have to really restructure the brand and reposition the brand and, and, uh, and go at it again and try and try and uh, gain back some of that market share you lost. Yeah. So. And you will, I mean, you will like, it's exactly what Domino's did. Like people were like, that pizza sucks. It tastes like cardboard. <laughs> and now they're like crushing it. They're calling me for well, feedback. It's, it's funny because, you know, maybe it's, I, I don't know. I haven't had a Domino pizza in a while, but, right, but that app one. seems so cool. I'm going to order one right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starving. I'd like to test it out. Maybe the app just makes it taste better. You know, that experience, I, maybe, yeah. knowing that Sarah pulled it out of the oven yeah. and John's delivering it. True. Maybe you're going... These are people. These are people. Yes. I wouldn't tell them. You it's would not like, frozen. You tell I'm not pulling your... it out of a freezer and popping it in the oven. Yeah, it's handmade you... with love. Yeah. So I would have loved to have been on a fly in the wall in that uh, repositioning, but you would never go to your friend's house and, and, and eat their food and tell them their cooking sucks. Right. You'd give them compliments. Well, that that's right? literally what you can do. It literally goes, <laughs> John just pulled your pizza out of the oven. Send him a word of encouragement. And I'm there on my couch. Used to be drinking my wine. Just... Hey, John, keep it up. <laughs> really looking Great forward job, to it. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe it's a perception. So yeah, yeah, totally. Well, it works. Love it. Alrighty. Cool. Well, hopefully we left you, um, having something to think about. Don't be sad. If you are leaving this realizing you need to reposition, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And it can be very, very prosperous if you're willing to put in the time to do it. So hopefully Great. we inspired you. Good words of encouragement, Kate. Thank you, I Tom. I will not, I don't have nothing to add to that. Okay. I'll argue with it a bit. So good, good stuff. Alrighty. Well, in that case, thank you for listening to this episode of Adapt and Thrive, a survival guide for the modern marketer. Uh, I am Kate Peters. And I'm Tom Gallego. And we'll catch you guys next time. Thank Bye. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of Adapt and Thrive, a survival guide for the modern marketer. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe and drop a comment on what topics you'd like to hear in future episodes. Good luck out there, marketers. Until next time.